Well, praise the Lord. It is so good to see everyone here this morning. We're so glad that you have made grace your Sunday destination. Praise the Lord. If you're joining us on live stream, we have great confidence that the Lord can do miraculous things in your life, even though you are separated by a little bit of technology. I love the Lord this morning. I appreciate all that he's done for me, and I appreciate what he's done for you and what he's going to do for you. I have great confidence in my God. I know that he can do great things in your life. I have a few announcements, and then I'm going to get out of your way so you can worship that great God. First Tuesday, December 13th, we will have our Tuesday morning prayer in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. If you are able to be here, please do. And remember that our Christmas banquet is on Friday, this upcoming Friday, December 16th, from 7 to 10. And I was told that even though it is officially closed as far as tickets, you're still able to get tickets. This is the very last day. The, the ticket costs are $7.50 for children and then $15 for adults. And please remember that Brother Greg Albright will be with us. Very excited about that. And then Grace Church Christmas service titled God With Us is on Sunday, December 18th. I am really looking forward to that. I'm very excited. It's always done very, very well here at Grace. And finally, Sunday, December 18th, that same day is the Christmas for Christ offering deadline. Praise God. This I have felt the wonderful spirit since I came the very beginning of church. I believe that's going to continue. I just have a feeling that God wants to do something profound in somebody's life. Praise the Lord. Can we stand to our feet? Can we lift our voices to the Lord? Can we give Him praise, honor, and glory?
blessings of being alive in Christ. Can you just, from the very depths of your being, let a praise erupt right now. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you today, God. You're worthy, Lord. It's in you we live and move and have our being today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't it feel good? in the presence of the Lord this morning. Our missionary we had here just a couple of weeks ago, mentioned, said, you've never really experienced anything quite like 20,000 people in his country coming together and worshiping God and, and speaking in tongues, he said, together, 20,000 people. He said it changes literally the, the atmosphere, the flow of oxygen and the flow of air said you can feel it and uh, I thought about it then and I think about it almost every service we've had services here where we could hear a roar just coming of worship coming up out of the congregation and I think about it all the time in our worship service the disciple apostle John looked ahead and he saw a day by revelation and he said he saw a multitude that no man could number gathered around the throne of God he said it was of every kindred, every tongue, every tribe, every race. And they just sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And so when we're in worship services like this and the presence of God begins to move, we're a part of that number. We're a part of that multitude. And we don't have to wait till then. Oh, but we can worship God now. You're not disqualified. Every race, every creed, every tongue, doesn't matter where you've come from doesn't matter who you are, you can worship God today. And I think we ought to just take a moment and do that right now. Hallelujah. Oh, you're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. You're worthy. You're the only one who's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. And he said, these are they who have made their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus today to stand redeemed, to stand by the grace of God, to stand by the mercy of God. What a privilege, what an honor to be here tonight, today in his presence. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you all so much for being here today, for braving the snowstorm to get out here to church. It is snow. It is. It's just in a different form, right? It's also sleet and ice and Thank you for coming out today. Uh, great crowd, great group here today. Welcome to everybody on live stream and Facebook Live. We're glad you've joined us today. Thank you for being a part of our service. I, uh, I want to join with Brother Ben and just say I, too, am looking forward to our Christmas banquet Friday night. I told Pastor before church, I'm glad the days of church banquets have returned. Man, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a good time. Amen. Amen. And I'm looking forward to the Christmas service next Sunday. God with us is our theme. And as much, but as much as I'm looking forward to all that, I don't want to overlook what God has for us today. We're here today. You know, we're not, we can't count on next week, although we're looking forward to it. Let's see what God has for us today. Amen. Will you help me do that? Will you help me uh, traverse the pages of the Word of God and see what God has for us today? Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, verses 1 through 11. For many today, this will be a very familiar reading. 
If this is not familiar to you and it's your first time hearing these verses, welcome. I invite you to join in harvesting the riches of the Word of God and what He has to say to us today. Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 11. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, Thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Herod had great interest in the star as well as the wise men. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And here again, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And out of these 11 verses, if there's one I would choose for our text today, it's this verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down, worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Amen. Amen. I want to preach to you today. My title is simply Stars Beget Journeys. Stars Beget Journeys. Would you help me pray one more time before you're seated? Jesus, we need your anointing today. God, with you all things are possible. And I already know, Lord, that you have a word for people today. There's several, many today that need to hear from you. You've come with them in mind. Lord, help us to deliver your word. Help us to receive your word be careful to give you the praise in Jesus name. Amen. Everybody say in Jesus name. You may be seated. Our walk with God, our experience in the Christian life, coming to God, all those things have been compared accurately to a journey. Certainly the soul's departure from Egypt from the Egypt of sin and the world to the promised land of the kingdom of God is a journey. It's a journey out of darkness and into light. It's a crossing over over from old things into a place where all things become new. The hymn writer of the 19th century, a lady by the name of Ann Cousin, wrote, O Christ, he is the fountain, the deep, sweet well of life. It's living streams I've tasted, which save from grief and strife. What could be more compelling than that? That, 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 what could be more compelling than that life journey of the soul from sin and shame and darkness and bondage to light, to the life of the world, Jesus Christ? 
And I believe there's a whole lot of people in the room today that have taken that journey. Amen. Amen. I believe there's some folks here today that have tasted of that well of life and you've seen that the Lord is good. Amen. I believe today that there's some folks that have found him to be the source of life. I believe you found him to be the living water. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful today to be here, as I mentioned earlier, by the grace of God, to stand redeemed by the mercy of God, to be led by him in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm thankful today that, that we're here today celebrating the fact that we're on that journey and that he has brought us from darkness and into light. But I would submit today that once we take that initial step or that initial journey out of darkness into light, being born again, that that's when the real journey with Jesus begins. In fact, I would submit to you today that living our life as a journey with Jesus is the only construct and context through which we can make sense of the rest of life. In other words, the only way I would say today to successfully navigate this road of life is to walk it with Jesus Christ. Now, it's true today that this time of our sojourn, this journey of life is filled with curves and bumps and near misses, potholes, and even detours. But there is a constant. There is an author and finisher. And if we will keep our eyes on him, if we will keep our attention fixed upon him, our sight on him, he is able to guide us on this, the most worthwhile journey a human soul can take. My grandfather had an ear for music. He, was, he had a good singing voice. Um, my understanding is, is that he actually in his younger years sang uh, in, the men's, in a men's quartet. He had a very good singing voice, very pleasant. He had some music in his, in his veins, I guess, to some degree. But he never really pursued it. He didn't do a whole lot with it other than just singing here and there with his quartet way back in the day. But way on in, into the twilight years of his life, when he was, was much older, senior citizen, Steve and I were teenagers, began pursuing music, picking up guitars and basses and playing piano and all that stuff. Uh, Papaw, our grandfather, really took an interest in music. He really, he, he took an interest in music through us. And uh, he specifically wanted to learn to play the bass guitar at, you know, I don't know, 75, 80, I don't know how old he was at the time, early 70s, I guess. And uh, he asked me to teach him to play the bass. And so I did. We, we did some lessons, and I taught him what I knew, and he did pretty good with it. He, he did all right. He bought himself a bass and an amp and um, began practicing, and he did pretty good with the bass. But every time we would get together for a lesson, for a bass lesson, Papa would say, I want you to teach me a song called Walking Up the King's Highway. And I said, well, Papa, there's a problem. I don't know the song. I've never heard the song. And unless you can produce a recording of the song, we, we can't start. There's no, there's no place to go from here. And uh, so we never did. He, he never got the recording. I never taught him the, the, uh, the song. But years later, with the advent of streaming music and Spotify, I came across the song, I heard the song, and it's a great song. 
It's a great song about our journey through this life with Jesus, comparing it to a journey. It's called, the, uh, it's called walking, down the, uh, walking Up the King's Highway. And here's how it goes. It says, it's the highway to heaven. None can walk up there but the pure in heart. It's the highway to heaven. I'm walking up the king's highway. And then the verses say this. My way gets brighter. My load gets lighter. Walking up the king's highway. There's a joy in knowing with him I'm going. Walking up the king's highway. I don't have to worry. I don't have to hurry. Walking up the king's highway. Christ walks beside me. Angels there to guide me. Walking up the king's highway. And then the last verse says this. If you're not walking, start while I'm talking. Walking up the king's highway. There'll be a blessing you'll be possessing. Walking up the king's highway. Hey, it's a good little song. And it reminds me today that no matter where you find yourself on your journey, you, you may need to just take that first step and, and say, God, I need you to, to take me out of the world, out of sin, and redeem me. Or you may have been on this road a long, long time, many years, and maybe you've just gotten a little disoriented somewhere. Maybe you've taken a detour. Maybe, maybe it wasn't even your fault, nothing you even did, but life just took a curve, a, a left turn, a right turn, whatever it is. I'm thankful today to know that Jesus Christ is guiding us up the king's highway. And if we will trust him, if we'll keep our eyes on him, he will take us safely on from here to there. Oh, I don't have to walk this road alone. I don't have to navigate this road alone. I want you to know today all the way my Savior leads. Jesus will lead us on. Amen. It was a journey to Jesus in a very literal sense that these wise men were on. Some call them the Magi. Sometimes they're called kings. The Bible calls them here wise men. They were looking for Jesus. And I want you to just notice, if I could point this out in passing, they said, uh, where is he who was born king of the Jews? Aren't you thankful that Jesus was born a king? He, he did, it wasn't something that he, he just... Uh, you know, kind of developed into or matured into or grew into. He was born King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Isaiah said it this way, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then, then he went on and he, he described all those things. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God. He was born King of kings. And I'm thankful for that today. But notice also the significant role that star took in the genesis of their journey, the star that beget their journey across the globe. Indeed, it was uh, leading them all the way to the end point of their destination, which, of course, was exactly where Jesus was. They, uh, they said, we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. That star is what started their journey from the beginning. When they consulted with Herod, Herod clearly found the star to be of great significance. He consulted with scribes and wise people. And I just, to me, I think they consulted maps and uh, astrological charts and, and certainly prophecies, the Bible says, and all those things to try to figure out where Jesus was going to be born. And then the Bible says, when those kings saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. It was a star that played that most important leading role 
in taking these kings on a journey of such significance. It would seem to me that a star beget a journey, and that journey led to Jesus. Several months ago, uh, a few months ago, I was given a box of books, old books, to rummage through, dusty, some of them I couldn't save, many of them I could, uh, to go through. I, I collect books. I, I have a, a, quite a book collection. I've got a, a really nice, large uh, bookshelf full of books in our living room. I've got books stacked on the floor. I've got boxes of books tucked in corners that are waiting for more shelving. Uh, I, I like books. I collect books. And uh, when people come over and look at all those books on the shelf and they, they'll say, they'll say, uh, have you read all those books? And what I want to say back is, if that's your opening gambit to have a conversation about my books, we have nowhere to go in this conversation. Because first of all, it would take several lifetimes to read all those books. I mean, that's just number one right there. But that's not why I have them all. Many of them, yes, I have read. Lots of them I've read through, read parts of them. I collect books, not always for the sake of reading them. Thank you, Brother Jason. Appreciate that. Amen. Amen. So I, somebody had given me a bunch of books to go through. And there was a book in particular that I, was, I saw, caught my eye. It's called, uh, it's called Christ in the Arts. It was printed in the 30s. And it's a collection of poems and dramas and short stories that all deal with some aspect of the life of Jesus. I guess maybe like a, a, you know, a, an artistic or literary reflection on the life of Jesus by various authors through time. And I was thumbing through that book just looking to see what it was all about. And uh, I, had, I saw a, a poem in there. And uh, it, I, it was just one of those moments. Time stood still and, and this poem just leaped off the page. I'd never read it before, never heard it before, never seen it before. And I knew immediately when I read it, there was just kind of revelation. And, and I knew immediately that a sermon would ensue from my reading of this poem. And by the way, you're hearing that sermon today. And uh, I, I'm going to share the poem with you, but let me set it up first. I've had months now to read it, reflect on it, pray about it, think about it, let it minister to me. I realize you're about to get it, and, and then we're going to move on. And, and so you're, I'm asking a lot of you, I know. So let me set it up. Traditionally, tradition says there were three wise men that came to see Jesus. The Bible does not say how many there were, but tradition says there were three. And um, so the writer, the author of this poem writes three stanzas, and they're short, don't worry, they're short, 50 words, the whole poem. And uh, he writes three stanzas, one for each wise man. And the po the, the, each stanza is what they might have been thinking as they were taking this journey, specifically reflecting on the stars, but with a much deeper meaning hidden behind it. The author of the poem is a guy by the name of, was a guy by the name of John Erskine. He was, I found out he was the first president of the Juilliard School of Music, and he published over 100 books in his lifetime. The name of the poem is Kings and Stars. And uh, I'm going to read it to you now, and it's going to be on the screen. Kings and stars. As they came from the east following a star, one said, the sun burns, the moon changes, stars are faithful. One said, they shine in all tongues, every heart knows them. 
by starlight, there are no borders. One said, the world widens by starlight. The mind reaches. Stars beget journeys. Stars are faithful. By starlight, there are no borders. Stars beget journeys. There's something about the constancy of a star. Stars are fixed and movable. Consistency has caused, them, has caused humans to look up and look out at the heavens for guidance from the beginning of time. Someone said, uh, succinctly said, days and years the heavenly bodies mark. We can count on them, count on their rotation, count on their, their, their trajectory through the, through the heavens. I'll just take a slight detour right here and tell you this experience of the wise men with the star guiding them, this journey the star led them on was not the first time in scripture that we find stars intersecting with the events and lives of humankind. The warrior leader Joshua commanded the sun to stand still so his army could finish winning a battle and the sun stood still and they won the battle. I'm very intrigued by Judges chapter 5, verse 20. The Bible says the stars in their courses fought against a king by the name of Sisera. And God has used stars in revelation and interpretation. For instance, when he asked Abraham, number the stars if you can. For your lineage, your seed, your heritage will be as the stars of the heavens. So these heavenly bodies of innumerable quantities play significant significant role in scripture and in the history of humanity and so it was to the heavens and to a very singular star that these kings from the east looked to which they turned to lead them on a very I want you to hear this today a very significant journey this star beget a very significant journey for these kings it was a journey of revelation of discovering that God has a name and that his name is Jesus. It was a journey of redemption, of discovering that God had come to save us. The star began a journey in these men far beyond the physical trip they took across the globe. This star led them to God incarnate, the hope of the world. If the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, they were some of the first mortals to behold the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm thankful that God is with us. I'm thankful that behold, he was with us, but now he's in us. I'm thankful that he's still leading us on journey of revelation, of redemption, hallelujah, of mercy and grace. He's still the one that leads us on our journey. What a picture. What a picture. What a what just what a absolutely beautiful illustration of, of the longing in the heart of all of humanity to, to go on, on some journey looking for answers. That, that's, what, that's what we see here in our text today. That, that all of us, all humans for all of time have felt that, that longing on the inside, that the answers are out there somewhere, that, 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 that the solution can be found somewhere. I just don't know where. I've got, and, and so they look to the stars. They look to the heavens. They look to 
to the world. They look in all sorts of places for those answers, and it sets them on a journey. And sometimes it's the right journey, sometimes it's not. But for these men, what a picture uh, of them being led to the true answer, to the, to the only construct and context to which life makes sense, and that is Jesus Christ, God with us. I'm happy today to tell you that just as that star, just as those magi followed a star on their journey to Jesus Christ, I want you to know today there is a star that still leads, still provides direction on our journey. It is not a literal celestial object. It's not a literal star. It's not a planet. I want you to know today that one star is Jesus Christ. I want you to know we know his name today, and it's Jesus. He's the one that leads us. He's the one that guides us. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. He knows your life, the end from the beginning. And he is the one that leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So whatever you're looking for today, wherever you're at in your journey today, whatever you may be going through, you may, you may be disoriented. You may not be able to, to see the end from the beginning. But I'm pointing you today to the one that can see the end from the beginning. Yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For he is with me. He can lead me with that rod. He can take me with that staff and, and keep me on true north and keep me projected. Oh, I'm thankful that he is that guiding light. He is that north star. We can rejoice today like those wise men when we see that star. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We have reason to rejoice today. I like to get up real early in the morning uh, for morning prayer and devotion and and if I, I mean, I just have to be honest. I mean, I'm standing in a room full of people here in the pulpit. But I just have to tell you, some days I'm more successful with that than others. But on balance, for most, most days, most of the time, I like to get up early. And so before the, uh, before the recent time change, I'd get up to pray and have devotion. It was still dark outside. And uh, that particular area in our living room near the bookshelf that uh, I like to sit and pray uh, that I open that, those blinds on that window, and it, ha- as it happens, it looks out towards the east. It looks out towards the east. And here, some time ago, sometime in the course of this year, uh, there was this really bright something. I don't know if it was a star, a planet, whatever. Uh, now now uh, I got interested in it. Now my kids have shown me there's an app on my phone. All you have to do is point it to the sky, and it tells you what you're looking at. But I didn't have it then. So I don't know if, if, I don't know what that was, if it was the morning star. But it reminded me that there is a thing called the morning star. And so for days and weeks that I'd wake up and, boy, it would be there, just as regular as the clock. You could count on it. And it, I was fascinated by it. I loved it. And then, of course, seasons change. The earth rotates, all those things. And, uh, and it moved on. But it got me thinking about the morning star, and I wondered if maybe that was the morning star. Maybe I was seeing that that morning, but it, it inspired me. It inspired my prayer. It inspired my faith, and I enjoyed seeing that there in the heavens every morning. So I began to look into uh, this idea of the morning star, and what I found out is this. The morning star is actually not a star. It's a planet. Does anybody know this? It's not, a, it's not a pop quiz. I just didn't know it. I heard some yeses, so maybe I'm the one that needed the education. It's the planet Venus. The morning star is the planet Venus. Another sermon for another time. Some, some parts of the year it's called the evening star. 
And uh, it's called the morning star because at certain times of the year, it shines so brightly that it is the last star to disappear before the sun completely rises. Some things about Venus, it doesn't twinkle, so it's not twinkle, twinkle, little star. Venus burns steady, constant, bright, doesn't waver, doesn't flicker, it's constant. The ancient Greeks called it phosphoros, which just means the bringer of light. And Venus is a symbol of, uh, has been in art and, and mythology and all that stuff. It's always been a symbol of all that is most pure and lovely. One noted French astronomer of the late 19th and early 20th centuries referred to Venus as the shepherd's star. And so it makes perfect sense to me that in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, Jesus Christ identifies himself as the morning star. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. I like the fact that it's by Jesus' own declaration that he identifies himself as the morning star. It's not a, somebody else calling him that. It's by revelation he called himself that. And so what that just means is this, is that even in chaos, he is your constant. Even in darkness, his light shines bright because he is the light of the world. He is the one who leads faithfully like a shepherd and will never leave us or forsake us. In a world that's dark and vile, he's all that's pure and lovely. And I want to say again today, he is that true morning star that will lead us on our journey safely. He's the only one, again, I've said it, but he knows you're in from your beginning. If, if you've come into this place today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drill down and get a little more specific as we go, but if you're looking for direction, if you're looking for a word today, I want you to know the word for you today is to keep your eyes on the morning star. He will lead you safely to everything He's promised. He will lead you safely to every destination He's promised. He'll get you safely home to heaven. Whatever it is you're needing Him to do to lead you through, the morning star is the one that will take you there. Can you clap your hands to Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. To me, there's no greater example of this journey of life with all of its detours, its ups, its downs, its pitfalls, its, its, its high highs and low lows, than to follow the, the lives and the calling and the trajectory and the journey of the disciples. And, and all of them, but specifically Simon Peter, he, he, he had such a journey with Jesus from beginning to end and, and, and all that happened in his life the ups and downs, the in-betweens. We can relate so well to, the, to, to just the humanity of Simon Peter, uh, uh, his lack of faith, his strong faith, his revelation, his doubt, all that is found in his life. And, 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 and so there's a, there's a couple of instances in his life that I just think illustrate so well that, that the morning star, Jesus, the, the true constant, uh, if we continue to keep him in focus, if we keep him in, in, in view, uh, that he can lead us where it is he promised we would go. Peter, uh, it's really cool to me the way Simon Peter received his calling uh, from the Lord. Uh, he, he was out fishing. He had fished all night, had caught nothing. And, uh, and Jesus had need of his boat to go out 
and, and the crowd was so, so much, so much multitude, Jesus wanted to, to launch out into the water and teach from the boat so that he could get away. They were just pressing in on him. And so he asked Simon Peter to, uh, to borrow the boat, and Simon Peter said yes. And then Jesus said, by the way, uh, what, what all did you catch last night while you were fishing? And Peter said, nothing. Jesus said, well, cast out again. He did. Got a miraculous catch of fish. Peter said, wow, you know, you're the Messiah. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And, 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 and uh, Jesus said, come follow me. And, and off Peter went and became a disciple. It was very, to me, very miraculous, very important uh, moment in uh, Peter's life. And then, and so here they go through all the miracles, all the life of Jesus, three and a half years. We follow him. We see him getting great revelation, knowing that Jesus Christ is the son of God. We also see him deny Jesus Christ three times by that fire in the courtyard before the night before Jesus' crucifixion. We see all of that played out in Peter's life. And then right towards the end of the narrative of, of the life of Jesus on this earth, John chapter 21, there is a most fascinating description, depiction, story, narrative of an event that happened in Peter's life that is so crucial for us today. I, I, I don't think we've harvested all that's there. Uh, every, it seemed like every time I turn to it or hear it preached, there's more to be harvested. I'm going to try to talk a little bit about it here for a moment. Jesus had been crucified, buried, rose again. He had appeared to the disciples a couple of times, but he would always disappear out of their sight. And it left them very confused and very disoriented. And, and they, they just really didn't know what was next. They, did, they just didn't know what to do. And so led by Simon Peter, a bunch of them go back out fishing, fishing, post-resurrection. And um, they're out there, and guess what? Wouldn't you know it? They caught nothing all night long. Just a dry run. They didn't have any success. And towards daybreak, and I love the fact that it was daybreak, it was morning, because uh, guess, guess who shows up in our narrative is the morning star uh, on the beach right there. He's, they don't know it's Jesus, but he's over there cooking uh, fish on the fire, and, and he calls out to them, and he, and, he, and he says, what did you catch last night uh, in your labor and in your toil and, and in your fishing run there? And, and, uh, and of course, they, caught, they say they caught nothing. He says, well, why don't you try casting out on the other side one more time? And when they did, they just, you know, a massive catch of fish such that the net break, the Bible says. And, of course, immediately they make the connection and I can't help, the Bible doesn't say explicitly, but surely Simon Peter was thinking, oh, I know who this guy is. I've been here and done this before. He's been here and done this before. I know he, this is how it all started for me. And the Bible says he jumped in the water, swam to where Jesus was. There's breakfast going and, and all that stuff. The second miraculous catch of fish. But this is where it gets good to me. If we, if we read the narrative very carefully, if we read the narrative very uh, closely, there, there's something here, I believe, that uh, is so important and so telling. Uh, as they're having breakfast and all, of course, Jesus asked Peter, says, uh, do you love me? Peter says, yes. Jesus says, feed my sheep. They do that three times. But then Jesus says, you can read it, he says, follow me. Kind of sounds like in the beginning when he said, come follow me. But I, I believe it was very literal. I believe it was very Specific, he says, follow me. The next verse says that Simon Peter looked back and saw John following them and said, Lord, what about him? 
So that tells me that Jesus and Peter are walking down the beach. They go on a little journey. So I think it plays out kind of something like this. Peter recognizes that it's the Lord, swims to the shore. The disciples get there with the catch of fish. They're huddled around this fire. And the big elephant around the fire is the fact that Simon Peter has denied Jesus Christ three times. The last time they were all together, last time that they had any meaningful uh, 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 interaction, Simon Peter had this horrible failure. He, he, just, he, he just missed it all the way around and denied Jesus Christ. And so there's this tension building around the fire. They're, they're having, uh, the, you know, the disciples aren't sure what to do. Nobody's sure what to say. And, and, and Peter probably is afraid to look Jesus in the eye and not sure how Jesus is going to respond and react in this kind of intimate uh, setting around uh, the breakfast and, and, and all this. And, and so Jesus begins to try to reconcile with Peter. And I, I think maybe judging by Peter's responses, and he finally kind of gets frustrated and he says, Lord, you know I love you. And, and so I think Jesus is just like, you know what, he's not getting it. He's not getting it. And so he says, Peter, let's go for a little walk. Peter, let's, let's me and you just take a little journey down the beach and let's talk about a few things. Let's, let's work on a few things together. I love this about Jesus. That in, the, in a moment that, that no doubt Peter was experiencing so many emotions. He was elated that Jesus had showed back up. Great to be in his presence again. At the same time, he had that condemnation of failure hanging over him. He knew he was not, had not done all he could have done. He, he had let Jesus down. And, and, and so he had to be disoriented. He had this mix of, of just emotions and just being disoriented and not sure where the road was leading from here. What, what was all that that we just did for three and a half years? The, the miracles and the, just the divinity walking around with Jesus. And here we are at the dead end. It's over. The, light, uh, the road has hit uh, the dead end. There's nowhere to go. But it, it's so beautiful about Jesus that in those moments, that's when he'll step up and take the time to just go on a, a little private journey. Just say, okay, I'm going to take some time out and we're just going to go on a little walk down the beach. And it's like Jesus was saying, Simon, this is what I think Jesus may have said to him. Simon, I've called you. I called you. I, I called you that day three and a half years ago. And you answered by starting out on a journey with me. And you've hit some curves and speed bumps and detours. And you thought that you'd hit the ultimate dead end that night by the fire before my crucifixion. But not so with me, Peter. No, sir. If you'll just get back up and get back on the road, there is a greater destination than this dead end. There's another assignment I have for you, Simon Peter. This is not the dead end. This is the beginning. We're just getting to the good part. We're just getting to where I was really wanting to go all along. What you thought was a dead end is a launching pad for ministry. And so not very long 
after. So, so going down, down by the beach, you know, walking Simon Peter and Jesus, they, they have this moment, and Peter looks back and says, hey, Jesus, John's following us. What about him? Jesus says, don't worry about him. I think, I think Peter, that was the best of human nature right there, like, God, let's stop talking about me, you know, and stop talking about all my faults and failures. Can we talk about somebody else? What about them? You know, did you see what they did? Did you, did you see what they were all about? And, and, and Jesus is like, no, I, I'm restoring you, son. See, that's the beauty of this journey is it's, it's, it, 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 if your eyes are on Jesus and you understand what putting your faith in him really does, it becomes a journey of restoration. It becomes a journey of redemption. It, it becomes a, where you thought was a detour, getting back on path and reaching full potential. Where you were disoriented, Jesus can say, no, I'm going to reorient and put you on, back on the direction you're going. I assure you today, the morning star is the master of your journey, and he is opening up the invitation today to put your trust in him once again. I'm going to invite our musicians to come. I'm not quite done, but I'm getting close. I want to uh, just ask you today to ask yourself, where has your journey led you? Whether, whether you're, you're not, not in, in the kingdom of God at all and you're feeling drawn to the kingdom of God or if you've been serving God all these years and you've just gotten turned around wherever you are and we all are somewhere on the journey. If you're alive and breathing today, you're on the journey. Where do you find yourself today on that road of life, that road of spirituality? Are you in a dark place like Peter was? Do you need renewal, restoration? Or maybe you just need to be reconnected with your destination, reconnected with your direction. Maybe where you're at seems incongruent with what you thought Jesus had in mind for your life, and you just need some perspective. Or maybe circumstances, failures, mistakes, misunderstanding, maybe not of you, maybe somebody else has done something to you, a failed relationship has caused you to doubt that Jesus is still walking with you. I want to point you again today to the morning star. It's the star that beget this journey, and it's the star that will lead you through on this journey. And so in closing today, I, you know, as I prepared and, and, um, and got ready for this message and prayed and all those things, studied and all, I, I, I just felt God speak to me this week. I felt a little nudge of the Holy Ghost and I felt like God just told me today, said, there's going to be people here today. Don't know your name, don't know who you are, but there will be people here today that are, are, are in some form or fashion, some way or other, you've, you've become disoriented on the journey. You're, you're, you're just not sure. You're just, you don't know where it's all going to lead, where it's all going to end. You don't know what tomorrow holds. And you've come today just hoping for a word, just hoping that there would be something you could hold on to that would point you in the right direction. And God gave me a word, and it's this. If you're here today and that's you, here's your word. God just said to tell you the destination is sure. The destination is sure. You just need to trust the morning star. You just need to make sure every step is guided by the morning.
shooting star. Don't look to the right or the left. Don't put your trust in anybody or anything else. But with your trust in the morning star, Jesus Christ, the destination is sure. I, uh, first time I ever flew, I was uh, 16, 17 years old. I, maybe that's late in life for your first flight. I don't know. But it was the first time I flew. And I got to go first class, my very first flight, commercial flight. Flew first class. At the time, my dad was traveling a lot out to California with his job. He had racked up a lot of frequent flyer miles. And uh, he let me use a bunch of them to fly first class to fly to Cleveland to visit some family. And uh, it was my very first flight, flying alone, flying first class. And so I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what it would be like. Um, you know, just kind of jump in and say, here we go. And I, I remember specifically uh, that first time, you know, that little bell that goes off. And the captain wants to say something to one of the, um, the uh, flight attendants or else they want to say something over. You know, that's when that beep. I, I, I'm telling you, I thought it was a warning signal. I thought we were going down. I was like, you know, here, my very first flight. And here we go with a warning signal and we're going down. And uh, so I had to figure all that out. Nobody was there to tell me and all this. Well, wouldn't you know it, halfway through the flight or so, I look out my window and off in the distance, I'm not talking about just a little flicker of lightning off in the horizon. I'm talking about a horrendous, as my sweet mother would say, a humdinger of a storm was out my window. Lightning, I mean, ominous, ominous. I'm telling you, it was bad. It was ominous. And buddy, it didn't matter about the warning signal. Then I didn't need one. I could see we were going down. Lord, have mercy. And I, again, no perspective, no uh, no point of reference. I'm like, what, what, what's the protocol for this? I, what's the captain going to do? Well, sure enough, here comes the captain on the, on the speaker, and he says, well, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but there's a bad storm over to our east, you know. And he said, so we're going to take a detour, and we're going to land in Detroit, and we're going to just stay on the plane, stay on the runway in Detroit. When, oh, I know what he said. He said, it's right over Cleveland. That's what it was. He said, the storm is right over Cleveland where we need to land. And he said, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a detour to Detroit, and once it clears and it's safe, we'll move on. Well, I guess that wasn't good enough for me. So I was still very, very uh, uh, nervous, very upset. And uh, I, I don't know how upset I must have looked or uh, how bad I might have been shaking. I don't know. But the guy sitting next to me in first class got up. And uh, I thought, well, man, this is going from bad to worse. He's going to get a parachute. He's going to jump to freedom. And let the rest of us go down. And uh, before long, a flight attendant walks up and sits down beside me. This guy had gone and gotten the flight attendant to calm my nerves. I'm sorry to admit it, but it's true. Now, I'm a good flyer now. We've flown internationally multiple times. It's all good. I'm just telling you, I didn't have a point of reference. And I thought this storm was going to be the, the end of it all. And the flight attendant said this. She said, I don't want you to worry uh, about that storm. She said, first of all, we're not going anywhere near the storm. And she said, second, she said, uh, the pilot wants to get 
to Cleveland just as safely as you do. In other words, the pilot has a vested interest in getting you safely to your destination as well. His reputation is on the line. His credentials are on the line. He's the one that, that launched this plane into the sky to begin with. He wants to get it safely, let alone his own well-being to get there safely. And so your word today for somebody is this, the pilot of your ship. The, the, the author of your journey has a vested interest in getting you safely home. He's got a vested interest in fulfilling his promise. He's got a, a vested interest in completing that which he has started in your life. I wish about five people would stand up and say, that's my word today. I wish somebody would stand and say, I'm believing that in my life today. I'm proclaiming that in my life today. He who began a good work in you is faithful to fulfill it to the day of Christ. You ought to speak that over your life right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the journey is not over yet. Your journey is not over yet. The destination is sure. The pilot is vested in getting you there safely. My only question for you today is, will you look to that morning star one more time? Will you look to that constant one more time? Will you look to that ever, everything that's sure and true and steady in your life is Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on Him. Amen. Amen. As they play and sing, I'm inviting you to come. You've got another opportunity to turn your eyes on Jesus and look full in His wonderful face. Come on, if that's you today, would you come and, and just and pray that prayer today? Jesus, I need you. God, I need direction today. I need you to guide me. I need you to lead me. I need assurance, Lord, that the destination is short. I need assurance, Lord, that you're still guiding, that you're still leading. Oh, I believe it's what you do best, Jesus. I believe it's where you shine the brightest. I believe, Lord, it's where you do your best work, Lord, is when we are down to nothing. You are up to everything. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. Pray that way today. Pray that way today in Jesus' name. In Jesus at the center of it all From beginning to the end It will always be, it's always been Jesus 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 at the center of it all 
Yo no. 